Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. coming to the end of our series. In Genesis, the first three books of Genesis, created, fallen, redeemed. And the tagline that summarizes what we are studying, what we want to know, our take-home, what is the most important thing, the thing that we cannot forget, is that Jesus is a creator who restores all things. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your good news is good news to our ears. I pray that we can continue to be used to share the gospel with others, Lord. I pray that we can encourage others in you, ultimately because we know what you have done for us, despite us. It is in Jesus who has made our eternal salvation possible. In his name that we pray. Amen. Any of you into wrestling? Come on. Yeah, I know you are, Mr. Eddie. You see a guy like this, and you got to call it wrestling. You can't call it wrestling. 
You know, we're talking about wrestling. We're not talking NCAA collegiate wrestling. No, no grappling here. We're talking about wrestling. Like my buddy King Kong Bundy. That's this guy's name. I think it's fitting. I don't know about you. If he introduced himself to me in this attire looking like that and said, hey, nice to meet you. My name's King Kong Bundy. I'm going to say your parents named you Athley. <laughs> or maybe he just named himself. Have you ever noticed how wrestlers typically have a pretty cheesy names, monikers, nicknames? I want to give you a few examples of, of five, just give you five quick ones right here that I think take the cake in this. L listen to these names. I, I don't know about you, but whoever came up with these names or publicists, it probably needs to be fired. The first one's Hornswoggle. I'm going to fight Hornswoggle. Yeah, I'm real scared over here. How about Carlito Caribbean Cool? Hey, Carlito! Caribbean Cool, yeah, okay. This one uh, sounds like a second or third grader came up with on the playground, Bastion Booger. I kid you not, these are, these are true names from professional wrestlers. This one isn't too bad, but it's still not that intimidating, Brutus Beefcake. Actually, King Kong Bundy could double as Brutus Beefcake. But this one probably takes the cake, speaking of cake. This last one I want to share with you, there was a wrestler that went by the name of Amish Roadkill. <laughs> I'm from northern Indiana, trust me. I know a thing or two about the Amish. Nothing about Amish Roadkill, though. Church. Our adversary attempted to get in the ring with our Savior. And as we recognize from our verses that were just read in Genesis, we can give both he, our adversary, and Jesus a nickname. We can. Biblically speaking, we know that Jesus has a few titles, though. He is known as the Lion of Judah. And from Genesis 3.14, we also know a few things as well about the serpent. Because in 3.14, we could give Satan the nickname Crushed Snake Cursed. That could be his wrestling nickname. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title is this, Redeemed, the Snake Crusher. Redeemed, the Snake Crusher. We're going to be in Genesis as described, chapter 3, verses 14 through 24, as they were read. If you do not have your Bibles, do not worry. The verses will be on the screen for you this morning. Let's not forget what we learned last week. We learned that only one for us to blame for our sin is ourselves. We cannot blame anyone else but ourselves. We recognize to recognize temptation before it becomes sin. Also, we were encouraged to not hide from the sin that's already been conquered by Jesus. A lot of times we hide from sin or our sinfulness. We try to hide, not realizing that Jesus has already conquered that in which we're trying to hide. Today, we are going to recognize how this was all predicted, this snake-crushing incident, how it was predicted. We'll observe God's immediate response 
in punishment to the sin that entered his creation via the crushed snake cursed, a.k.a. our adversary, a.k.a. Satan. So with that being said, we need to put the verses that were just read in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 24 into one sentence that will become our main idea for our sermon this morning. And that main idea is this. God's punishment of sin has both temporal and eternal consequences. God's punishment of sin has both temporal and eternal consequences. Now, temporal in that it has a consequence for this life here and now, the world in which we live in. Now, eternal being our future life to come, whether you know Jesus or not, if you do not know Jesus, then your life to come will be spent in H-E double hockey sticks. But if you know Jesus, you will have eternal life with him. Let's face it. Most of us in here know it's not easy raising a family. It's not. From beginning to end, one thing I'm learning, something that most of you know much better than I, but you never stop being a parent. And I think this photo does justice for that statement. This photo does justice for how it's not easy to raise a family, especially since this photo of this family was actually taken during the Great Depression. See, the Great Depression is known as one of the worst economic downturns in modern history. There was a motto during this period in time, and that motto was this. During the Great Depression, people said, use it up, wear it out, make do without. I believe we can look to this period in history as a reminder of sin's effect on God's creation. See, many of today's luxuries became obsolete during this period in time. See, households had to start growing their own food in what were called kitchen gardens. Why? Because the economic crisis prevented the cultivation of crops on a mass scale. During this period in time, the birth rate fell below the replacement rate for the first time in American history. Speaking of birth rate, ladies, could you imagine giving birth during this era? Especially without the comforts of modern medicine? Church, look at the struggle on the faces of this couple. Know this could happen to us again. Know that this is what it looks like physically to endure God's temporal punishment of sin. Do you know what's unfortunate for us? See, we're too used to the lap of luxury, aren't we? We're too accustomed to our consumeristic society in which we live. Maybe what we need is a little reminder. So let's allow our first set of verses to serve as a reminder for us. 
However, before we begin, I need to let you know that we are going to observe verses 16 through 19 first, and then we're going to go back to verses 14 and 15. But verse 16 specifically, ladies, this is all about the consequences for women. As we look at verse 16, so if you're looking to blame or you're looking to thank someone, ladies, you can blame or thank Eve. Thank you, Eve. Actually, according to the gospel, we have no one to blame except ourselves. We are not victims. We are willing participants in our sinfulness. Now, God said to the woman, he says this, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Do you know that it's widely believed that women endure more pain during childbirth than any other creature on the planet? See, I'll never forget the pain that Hope went through when she was going into labor with Leighton. They induced labor on Hope, and the minute those drugs kicked in, the pain she was going through because she wanted to do it all naturally, was, it was crazy to me because I remember looking at her and thinking, I know her so well, but I've never seen anything like this before. See, pain in childbirth was already in existence for Eve. It wasn't like this was new. It was already in existence. But we know this is true because God said, I will surely multiply. He didn't say I was going to give you pain. He said, I will multiply your pain. Childbirth was already painful, but now it's going to be even more painful. Think about our mother of four from that photo. From the photo we just looked at from that Great Depression era, era, I bet she birthed each one of those children from the comfort of home. Pretty safe bet. Without an epidural. And we know that's true because epidurals didn't come around until about 1943. Some of you, too, have birthed your children without an epidural. There are those of us among us this morning that have done so. Church, this is a reminder of Eve's disobedience. This is a reminder of the negative effects of sin. Now God goes on to say, your desire, he's speaking to Eve. He says, now your desire shall be for your husband. See, this is the same as saying you will continue to be drawn or you will continue to be attracted to your husband. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? I mean, the same knucklehead. I'm not talking about Pastor Jared. He called himself knucklehead earlier. I'm not talking about him. Sorry. I mean, the same man, ladies, the same man that got you into this painful situation of childbearing, God is now saying, I'm going to make sure that you keep going back to him. Which is why God ends by saying, and he shall rule over you. See, the idea is that the man will desire the woman just like the woman desires the man. However, desires for one another in this sinful world we live in doesn't come without its complications. God designed marriage originally with harmony in mind. 
However, this was before sin entered his creation. So now we must work towards a harmonious marriage. It's hard work. We must pursue a Christ-centered marriage for those of us who are married. For those of you who are looking to get married, that is the focus of your marriage, the hard work of keeping Christ in the center. Do you know why 50% of marriages fail? It's quite simple. They fail because of disobedience. God said, your desire shall be for your husband. This is God's command for our protection. God said, he shall rule over you. This too is God's command for our protection. Church, due to Eve's sin, marriage has been tainted. Ladies, I want to speak to those of you who are married really briefly here because I want to encourage you in being obedient to God's command. Let your husband lead. Let him lead. Allow me to give you three ways in which I believe you can be encouraged to do just that. First, be your husband's partner in crime. I'm not talking the same way that Adam and Eve were partners in crime with the fruit. What I'm saying here is you need to be a co-leader with your husband. No matter what stage of life you're in, you lead together. You guys are co-leaders. But ladies, you are a co-leader as you allow your husband to lead. Another way in which you can be encouraged to be obedient towards your husband is to pray for him. Ask God to help you learn how to better respect your husband. Because after all, that's what it's all about. Women want to be loved and men want to be respected. The third thing you can do, ladies, to encourage your husband to lead in a biblical manner is to give him praise. Give your husband praise when praise is due. Because after all, how can you praise your Lord but not the man in which God has given you? Now, you're not off the hook. We move on to the consequences for men. God said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Gentlemen, allow me to speak to those of you who are married. Lead your wife like you are partners, like you are co-leaders. Clearly, Adam was being led by Eve in this situation. He wasn't leading her, she was leading him. And since he listened to her, God made man's labor even more difficult by cursing the ground. And now God made it so that man will depend on the soil for food. So how about our father of four from that Great Depression era photo? He could attest to this, as I'm sure his kitchen garden was just producing a surplus. No, it probably wasn't. 
It was probably hard work to get what he could get out of the ground. So let's look at verse 19. It says, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. God has made it so that we have to work to survive. And work to survive is what you do when you are dust, as it says right here in the text. And to dust you shall return. Obviously, Adam didn't die on the spot, though, did he? He didn't die right there on the spot. In fact, the Bible informs us that he lived for 930 years. However, this is the first mention of man's impending death. The death was to come, and that was part of Satan's deception. So not only are there temporal consequences to our sin, those that affect us right here, right now in this life, as in we have to work hard to survive, but there are also eternal consequences. And as in we need to be rescued from eternal damnation. Church, all of this sets the stage. Everything that we're seeing right here in the beginning, chapter 3, Genesis, all of this sets the stage for the need of a Savior, an eternal salvation from the consequences of not only the temporal sin here on earth now, but also the eternal sin or the eternal consequences from our sin. The stage is being set for the introduction of the gospel, a.k.a. the good news for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the words of Milton Vincent. But first, we must state our first point this morning, and that point is this. A Christ-centered marriage is represented by mutual effort, respect, and praise. This is how you put Christ in the center of your relationship. A Christ-centered marriage is represented by mutual res effort, respect, and praise. And again, our main idea this morning is this. God's punishment of sin has both temporal and eternal consequences. Now, as mentioned, the stage has been set, but unfortunately for us, this is how too many of us view the gospel when we observe ourselves. Take a look at this image. This is where we get it all wrong. We think sometimes we know the gospel, but this is, in fact, how we actually look at the gospel. We look at the gospel like we look like this. We know we sin. We know we do bad things, but then we hope the good in us outweighs the bad with our good deeds. Church, it's either or. Either you are a child of our adversary or you're a child of God. So as we know that Jesus will defeat Satan, a.k.a. the crushed snake cursed, we should be confident in our hope that we too are on the snake crusher's team due to our faith in Jesus. 
which therefore allows us to be a child of God. And children of God do not look like this to God. This is not how anyone looks to God because it is either or. Either you are with Satan or you are with Jesus. We find our confidence in the snake crusher's work in verses 14 through 15. And speaking of the snake crusher, and speaking on the fact that we're on the snake crusher's team, if you have faith in Jesus, I believe it's only fitting for us to have a few nicknames ourselves. After all, if we're going to be working hard for our survival, a few nicknames would go a long way. It seemed to do pretty good for King Kong Bundy. And I know David's not here right now, but I thought of a good nickname for David. I mean, Amish roadkill was taken, so we're not going to give him that nickname. But if David, next time you see him, he's going to be now known as David, can you smell what I'm brewing, Nixon. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait till he gets back there making that coffee again. Mr. Eddie, you're not going to be uh, Mr. Eddie Clemens anymore, no, mm-mm. You're going to be Mr. Eddie GQ Smooth <laughs> Clemens from now on. Miss Hallie, you're now known as Hallie Killam with Loving Kindness Shipley. And I may just have a nickname for every last one of you, so line up. No. I got one more for you, though. I got one more I want to throw out there. But I do have one for all of you. I can send an email list. The last one I just want to say publicly here is uh, for, for Mr. Mike Young. No longer are you going to be uh, Mr. Mike Young. You're going to be Mike, get it done like he's under the gun, Young. Because if anybody that knows Mr. Mike, yeah, clap. If you ask him to do something for you, he's already there before you even get done asking the question. So, and I'm sorry to those of you who wanted Horns Wago or Carlito Caribbean Cool or Bastion Booger or Beat Him Brutus Beefcake. Those are taken. You have to do. But let's take a look at verse 14 real quick. God cursed the snake above all livestock, it says. And we will now have to slither. He will not we, excuse me. He will now have to slither the rest of his days. But not only slither, but also eat dust. It's not like the snake will eat dust for his survival. That's not what this means. But rather what he consumes will be dust ridden. Everything that the snake eats is covered in dust. Now, verse 15 sets the stage for the introduction of the gospel. Church, this is where we begin to see that the gospel, aka the good news, is from Genesis to Revelation. We must understand that the entirety of the whole Bible, every single verse in the Bible points towards or points to Jesus. Therefore, allow me to read verse 15 aloud, then we'll break it down. Verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The word enmity means hostility and or hatred. 
Basically, the woman and the snake have become enemies. Now, look where it says in between your offspring and her offspring. Do you see that? See, this directly links Eve to Mary and beyond, from Eve to Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior. The word offspring is precisely why we can say it's either or. Either you are a child of Satan or a child of God. Either you are team crushed, snake cursed, or team snake crusher. So what is it that the woman's offspring will eventually do? Exactly that. He shall bruise your head. Church, Jesus is, in fact, the snake crusher. See, this is both a prophecy that has been fulfilled by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but also a prophecy that will be fulfilled in the future when Jesus defeats Satan in the final battle. So as Mike comes forward and we close out this morning, I want to encourage you in this good news. We should be encouraged as we move forward. I want to encourage you in the gospel. See, this evil, satanic world system will one day come to an end. It's not going to last forever. Despite what mankind wants to do to preserve something God has predicted, He will one day bring to an end and create new again. When you are reminded, take comfort in your eternal future. Take comfort in what the gospel reveals to us. Do not believe the lie. Church, there's a whole generation coming up. A whole generation coming up where lies are normal. Lies go uncalled out. You can just say whatever you want and nobody holds you accountable anymore. No amount of good work done on your behalf will earn your eternal security. It's solely dependent on your faith. Solely dependent on your faith in the work of the snake crusher. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He went head to head, toe to toe with our adversary and He came out victorious. This is the message we share with the world. A world that's confused about the roles of men and women within a marriage relationship. Confused about why it is we have to physically work hard to survive. Confused as to who it is that actually defeats Satan. Now it's not your good deeds that put Satan to death. No, we know that. It, it was the blunt force trauma to the head from the foot of Jesus. 
that defeated Satan. The same Jesus who was known as the snake crusher, the lion of Judah, the lamb of God, the one who is victorious forever. See, in our sports, you can win the championship, but guess what? You gotta win the championship all over again next year. When Jesus won the championship, one and done. And this brings us to our second and final point. The good news of salvation solely hinges on our faith in the work of Jesus. The good news of salvation solely hinges on our faith in the work of Jesus. And again, our first point this morning was this. A Christ-centered marriage is represented by mutual effort, respect, and praise. And finally, our main idea, everything that we saw God do through Christ, God's punishment of sin, has both temporal and eternal consequences. Church, our God is a holy God. And a holy God cannot be in the presence of sin. And our God, being a holy God, wants to be in a relationship with us. And that is precisely why He left heaven to go to the cross, to be crucified, to be raised from the dead so we can have an eternal salvation. His work makes us holy. His work makes us righteous. But in the meantime, while we're still stuck in between, until we receive our new resurrected bodies, it is our job to share that good news with other sinners. Because after all, if you weren't a sinner, how could you relate to one yourself? Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here this morning who is maybe confused about their knowledge of coming to know you. Maybe they are confused about their eternal salvation. Maybe they're not confident in their salvation. I want to pray that you make this abundantly clear who they are a child of. I want you to make it abundantly clear to them that it is contingent upon your work in our faith in it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.